You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Are you soon to be on the roller coaster of puberty? Maybe you're already there. Stay tuned for this conversation with Kara Natterson and Vanessa Bennett about their new book called This is So Awkward, Modern Puberty Explained. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co-host, Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net, and I'm Janet Allison of boysalive.com. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being our listeners. And thank you, too, for supporting our sponsors. Thank you for that. It allows us to keep doing what we love to do so much, bringing you top of mind, ahead of the curve information about the boys we love and care about. Puberty starts earlier than you think. It may start as early as age nine in boys which means that the mood swings you're seeing in your 10-year-old son could well be puberty-related. And as today's guests write in their new book, the very first sign of puberty in most kids is a slamming door. If you're anything like most parents, you are not entirely prepared for puberty. You may have heard that sentence and be freaking out internally right now. And that can go double, I think, or more for moms of boys who likely have zero experience with male puberty and don't have the first clue how and what even to discuss with their sons. Fortunately, we have some real experts joining us today. We have Cara Natterson and Vanessa Kroll Bennett, authors of This Is So Awkward, Modern Puberty Explained. Cara is a previous On Boys guest. She is also the author of Decoding Boys, which we discussed a few years ago. And she's a pediatrician and a mom. And Vanessa is the founder of Dynamo Girl and a mom of four. And together they co-host the Puberty Podcast. And they have been traveling around the country and talking about puberty for months. Welcome, ladies. Thank Thank you. you. So happy to be here. So fun to be back. I'm so glad that we all get to connect. Okay. What is the number one question that you get about male puberty? Um, I would say it's more a statement. Nah, he's not in it. No (laughs) way. You don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Nah, oh, denial. If only if that worked, right? Correct. And it's, you know, I, I give a lot of grace there because it's part denial, but part lack of recognition of what to even look for. Male puberty is really hard to see at first. So in fairness, I did not, you know, pediatrician here, even I did not know when my son was in puberty. Right. Yeah. That's a really good point because female puberty is a little more external. And especially those of us who are women who went through puberty as females, we know what to look for. We don't know what that looks like in boys. Vanessa, what was your experience as as a mom and and in this world talking about these things? 
Well, it's so funny because I always say that um, breast buds, which are the first physical sign of female puberty, poke out of like everything. Like you could be wearing a down coat and you could still see <laughs> breast buds. <laughs> it's so Where, true. Whereas male puberty, the first physical sign is really, really slow penile and testicular growth. And it might be a couple of years besides any other physical signs show up. But it's also when boys go private and they stop running around naked and, and they appropriately stop appropriately. So and appropriate, like it's great. They learn how to draw their boundaries and how to establish privacy and probably start to ask you to establish a little more privacy with them. That's all great and normal. The only thing is you stop being able to tell what's going on with their bodies. And so you might not know Takara's nah, you might not actually know that your kid is in puberty. So the most common question I get is why is my 10-year-old acting like a 16-year-old? Yes. Similar yes. to your intro, that is the big question. And we want to credit the pediatric um, endocrinologist, Louise Greenspan, for the slamming, the first sign of puberty is a slamming door because her whole work is around hormones and puberty. And we can at some point get into why a 10 year old might be acting like a 16 year old and how hormones are, are causing that. But that's the most common question that I get. You know, that's an excellent point too. And parents, this isn't so much like you're getting it wrong. If you don't know that your kid isn't in puberty yet, like there's no, you need to mark this down a certain day, write it in a bit. No, it's, it's not that at all. It's sort of this dawning awareness as a parent that whoa, we're shifting into another phase now. And I think as a parent and as a parent who talks with a lot of other parents, like you said, that's the part that shocks parents the most. I thought I had more time with a kid and now this kid is acting like a teenager. What do I do about that? Is, is that okay? Is that normal? Is there something wrong? Are they depressed? Do you hear those kinds of things from parents? Totally. All I mean, the time. I want to recognize there's a real grief that parents feel. Mm. I find actually, and Cara, I don't know if you agree with this, more so with their boys than their girls about realizing they're in puberty. There's a sadness like they're losing them and that they're never going to get them back. And like, as you said, the time is up. And they didn't realize it and they didn't mark it. And it's like, and now it's forever gone. And I just want to reassure people, and we can go into more depth on that. Like, yeah, they might be moody, snarky, angry, unpleasant, or even just utterly silent, but they do come back to you in really wonderful, loving, engaging, connected ways. You just might have to wait a few years and by a few years i i think it's important to be honest to parents about this by a few years we may be talking seven eight nine ten <laughs> i mean can i can i just jump in though yes because i agree and disagree with vanessa's characterization by the way this is the best part about being partners with vanessa we you know spend all day every day together across the country and we see so many things in very similar ways, but we sometimes land at different places, which is simply sort of reflective of how it's totally okay 
to parent yes. in lots of different ways or to, I don't even want to use the word parent adult in certain ways to yeah. be the person for the kid. Right. But I want to say that sometimes boys make it easier for mm. their parents in that coming back around reconnecting space. It really depends on temperament, personality. This isn't really a gender thing, but I think when parents see that point of separation that Vanessa was describing going, yeah. oh my gosh, I missed it and I'm never going to get it back. There's something in the male dynamic sometimes where when you articulate that, they actually do come back. They do become more loving and more reconnected in a way that society rewards them for. And mm -hmm. I don't feel the same way about society rewarding daughters for doing that. I think society rewards daughters for being independent and carving their own path and being able to stand on their own two feet, which ends up meaning sort of a more permanent individuation from us. Whereas hmm. there's this real push, cultural push to make sure that we honor male emotional connectivity. And I think that benefits parents on the other side of puberty who might've missed it, but the, the world is saying to their sons, it's okay to hug and cry and do all these things. And we get to be the beneficiaries of some of that, which is a beautiful thing. That's a really interesting perspective. And I love that you both shared, you know, slightly different sides of it, because I think my experience, I think there's some um, geographical and community variation in mm. this. There's certainly individual variation. I mean, For sure. humans are different. They are just different. For I, sure. I, I will say that what I see and hear a lot in my Facebook group, Building Boys, is, is much more what Vanessa described. Um, and a lot of times, this is why people join the group. People mm -hmm. who are feeling like, I am losing my son. Mm -hmm. What do I do about that? And so often those of us who have been parents a little bit longer are reassuring them, like, first of all, this is normal. This is, I think you wrote that. There's a part in your book where you wrote, like, this is developmentally appropriate. This is developmentally appropriate. <laughs> this is developmentally appropriate. <laughs> parents, let that be your mantra yeah. through the teen years. Because it can be hard for us, all adults dealing with teenagers, to not take this stuff personally. You know, if your son is one who used to curl up in your lap and tell you about everything, even things like with his action figures that you don't care about, but he would just go on and on. And now suddenly he's behind a bedroom door. That's a shift. And that can be hard. That's right. And I, I don't mean to downplay that shift. I'm just looking at the back end mm -hmm. and out the back end. I think we've done a better job, partly because of podcasts like this, partly yeah. because of conversations, like the conversations that are happening in your Facebook group. I think we've all done a better job of telling the all of the kids in our lives, yeah, boys, girls, doesn't matter. It's okay to show love and to come back. And so much of the parenting relationship and dynamic with tweens and teens who are going through puberty and riding these emotional roller coasters is about repair. We talk yeah, about oh that gosh. a lot. We right, we borrow so much knowledge from so many people that we love and trust in our world of, of healthcare experts, Aliza Pressman to, you know, lead them off, Tina Payne Bryson, these people who talk about the art of repair. And that's the beauty is like, if you take the really long view and you look at it all the way down to repair, the repair is phenomenal. 
I promise you listeners, we're going to get into some of the the short-term in the weeds, immediate stuff too. But this message that you get there, they come back around, you come back around and repair is so important. Now that my my youngest turns 18 next week, you guys, my youngest turns 18 next week. Um, I am often the person among others in my Facebook group saying, it gets better. It gets better. They do come back around. I mean, I just shared a, a post this weekend. You know, happiness is your 23-year-old telling his almost 18-year-old brother that he's late because he helped his 55-year-old neighbor shovel out. And I'm like, this is the kid who, like many, many teenagers, you know, he could not be bothered to help out his own family when he was a teenager. And now he's doing these things. I think that, as Cara said, we're playing the long game. And I think we're also hopefully building men yes. um, who become those human beings. And I think the path towards building kind, empathic, loving, thoughtful men is a very windy, bumpy road. And yep. at every step of the way, it can be really tempting to lose faith and to sit back and wonder i'm (laughs) gonna raise my hand i've lost faith i I mean mean, right tempting to lose faith that's an excellent line yes and to say did i blow it did i do this wrong did i say the wrong thing did i do the wrong thing did i screw up when they were two or five or ten right and For those of us who i mean my oldest is just turned 21 i have a 21 18 and 13-year-old boy and one daughter. And then, and Cara has an 18-year-old son. And like, they have all been on their own winding paths and they come out the other side, God willing, with incredible senses of humor, incredible loving and thoughtfulness. Yes, there are pains in the butts. Yes, Yes, they can be disgusting and smelly and like have the worst table manners and like be thoughtless and do dumb stuff. Like I'm not at all saying that they turn out perfectly, but there's so many amazing things that happen on the other side that they didn't even show when they were younger. Like you couldn't right? even imagined who they were going to become. And part of that is making space for that in these moments when they're not exactly who we hoped they would be. Yes, yes, yes. You know, I, I, I want to touch on some of the, the physical things that we have to talk about, but that piece is so important, the hanging on and the making space. And so you both, when you're talking with other parents and in your own journey as parents, w- what do you say to advise people who are in the middle of this human who I have loved and I have devoted years to <laughs> is frankly a jerk right yeah. now? I mean, my my best most popular, most clicked on blog post is basically about how 14 year old boys are assholes. <laughs> and they are. And so what do you tell parents? You're like, yes, they're going to get there eventually. I can promise you that parents. But right now, what do you tell? Okay, parents? we'll get to the what do you do right now after these messages from our sponsors? This episode is sponsored by By Heart. Babies need to eat. And whether you breastfeed or bottle feed, use formula, combine all of the above, you need options. We wanted to let you know about By Heart Baby Formula. 
Byheart has a patented protein blend that gets the closest to breast milk. It includes two of the most abundant proteins in breast milk. And Byheart actually ran a clinical trial comparing their formula to a leading infant formula and proved that babies on Byheart have softer poops, less spit up, and easier digestion. Byheart is also the only U.S. made infant formula to use organic grass-fed whole milk. So if you need baby formula for your baby, consider Byheart. New customers can get 10% off your first order by using code ONBOYS at byheart.com. That's B-Y-H-E-A-R-T dot com slash podcast, and it is 10% off your first order. Byheart.com slash podcast. This is a limited time offer, and additional terms and conditions may apply. We all know that vitamins can help fill nutritional gaps in our diet, but a lot of us don't like to take vitamins because we don't like swallowing pills. How do you feel about that, Janet? There's some days that I look at my vitamins and go, yeah, I should take those. I'll do it later. But I'll tell you what's changed. I have gotten easy melt vitamins. I have the D3 and I have the B12s and a multivitamin. And I just pop them in my mouth and they dissolve. And I don't have to think about swallowing a vitamin. And you don't necessarily need water either to have on hand to get this big vitamin now. Yeah, no. And they taste good. And they're sugar-free. They melt quickly. The reason they melt is because of plants, not chemicals. Ah, plant-based nutrition. For a limited time only, you can receive a free, free three-month supply of Easy Melt Vitamin D3 with your first purchase. To claim your free D3, visit try.easymelts.com slash onboys. That's Try, T-R-Y, dot, easy melts, E-Z-M-E-L-T-S, dot com, forward slash, on boys. Vanessa taught me this perfect phrase that I use a lot. Come sit by me. Come sit right? by me. Come sit by me. Like, we're all in it. Just the validation, just hearing three of us who have all raised and are raising boys. Uh, by the way, it's an ongoing, like they could be 50 and we're oh, still yeah. raising them. <laughs> never um, <laughs> honestly, if your kid has never been a jerk, you're not looking hard enough. <laughs> there's, there's no kid. Again, like I know we focus the conversation on boys right now, but this is true of all kids. Like yes. these hormones, let's just get into a little nitty gritty about puberty. The hormones in charge of puberty are often called the sex hormones. If there was a billboard for puberty, the headliners would be estrogen and testosterone. And those are two, the two stars of the show. Everyone has both of those in their body. Actually, everyone has all the sex hormones in their body, but just depending upon how much you have and the organs that you have, like if you have ovaries or if you have testicles, that's going to change the way puberty works in your body. When those hormones rise and fall, they do not do so gracefully. They do not do so slowly. They do so high, 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 rapid surge. And then it's like you're off the end of the cliff and you're pummeling to the floor and those hormones drop and bottom out. 
And it is not just the high highs, but it is also the delta between the high highs and the low lows, which happen quickly over a matter of hours, not days, not weeks, hours. That is what you are seeing when your kid is behaving like a jerk. And they don't like it. They don't like how it feels. They cannot help themselves. Their brain is being bathed in a stew of hormone that is not familiar to them. And they don't know how to manage how they feel as a result of this cocktail that is saturating all of the neurons in their brain. So that is what is happening. It's not their fault. It's kind of their fault, but it's not really right. their fault. I love that your book and book tour has come up, you know, it's now and it's coinciding with, I don't know, a point in my life when I'm at the opposite end and let's just say perimenopause and like lots of parents, moms are in perimenopause mm -hmm. when their kids are in the teens. So it's a little different, but all those things you're saying about the hormones and the ups and the downs, and I don't want it to be this way. It's true for us too, ladies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And when I realized that, that helps me be more empathetic and understanding. Yes, I went through puberty. And yes, I would not want to repeat those years again if you paid me. But I sort of forgot about how horrible it can be. Yeah. And it's not volitional. Like, right. it's just like, I, I mean, every month there's a day where I hate my family. And then two days later, I get my period. And I'm like, Oh, and I'm right. somehow surprised every month. I'm surprised. 35 years I have been menstruating and I am still surprised when I hate everyone one day yeah. a month. And it's yeah. like, I've had decades of experience. These poor kids right. have like a year, two years, three years of experience. And they also don't have fully mature brains. So like we have to give them the benefit of the doubt that they're not purposefully being assholes. They so, are the, you know, not the victim of circumstance, but they are at the mercy of their yes. hormonal ups and downs. Many of us who uh, grew up female, we're more familiar with the fluctuations, you know, with our periods, because that's what we know. Give us a brief outline of the hormonal influences on our boys and, you know, what we need to know about that and, and how it affects the boys in our lives. Okay. So. The sex hormones, they're all cousins. And the reason I frame it that way, they're chemically similar. They look very similar. And therefore, some of their impacts are going to be similar. So no matter what hormones ruled your puberty, you can really have that empathy and deep mm -hmm. understanding of what it feels like for anyone else going through puberty because you have felt a version of what they're feeling. But the swings of the emotions are shifted by the type of hormone. So there's a lot of data that looks at testosterone and rage. So we know that higher levels of testosterone can be associated with more rageful behavior. Like, you know, you're, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. And then triggered and boom, something just takes you to 11. Did anybody else here just flash to a moment with your son? Like I immediately flashed to a moment by then. I think he was 11 year old son. I don't know what the trigger was, but just lost it. And he kicked and he kicked the back of the kitchen chair and he mm -hmm. broke a thing. And mm -hmm. this like as a parent. Yes. 
startling. It's startling. It's uh, frankly, it's a little scary sometimes. Yes. And especially if they have started to grow, if they're, they're getting taller get and their lean muscle mass is increasing and they don't know the force of their physical ability to express their anger and rage. Here's what's not, and we talked about this years ago because it's in Decoding Boys, um, but but for, for those who did not hear that episode, that here's what's not studied because it's not sexy, but I think it's very sexy and should be studied, is the swing to silence. So testosterone so clearly influences boys to become quieter and to retreat. It is, you know, it's, think about it. It's just the flip side of the rage coin, just like female emotions that are expressed kind of swing in different directions that are 180 degrees opposite. So too males are allowed to swing in 180 degree opposite directions. And so who among us has not experienced a quiet boy or a quieter boy who goes from being super chatty to just a little chatty? I don't have data to show you to say it's testosterone. I can just tell you 25 years of being a pediatrician, it's testosterone. I can just tell you, and please, someone out there listening, go do the study, please, 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 because it will help so many people. Yes. Yes. And then we also can't ignore the fact that this is all of course happening in society with Mm -hmm. our social norms. And so there's the, there's the biological push towards some rage and towards some silence and then you've got this whole culture that for decades millennia centuries you know anger is an acceptable emotion for boys so that's all you can express and 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 that's hard because our boys are trying to navigate through all that we're trying to navigate through all that at the same time like when our son punches a hole in the wall or kicks a kitchen chair Mm -hmm. and destroys it we start freaking out. We may have concerns about our own safety. You know, am I raising a dangerous man? Help us understand that and what may be appropriate response in that moment, because a lot of people just don't know what to do then. Yeah. I mean, I think the most important thing to handle kids' mood swings is to give them a way back from them because they don't feel good when they get that angry or they get that emotional or they do things in reaction that are, you know, violent or unkind or scary, that doesn't feel good to them. And they might feel ashamed or embarrassed. And the most important thing is that they don't feel like they're abandoned and there's no way back from it. Um, because, living with shame is so painful and it yes. it just feels like you have no hope. So the most important thing is to not in the moment when they've just kicked the chair or punched a hole in the wall, but to say, "Hey, listen, I'm going to I'm going to take a minute because clearly like you're feeling a lot of things really strongly. I'm going to come back to you in a little bit and um like when things are cooler." Right? And you don't you don't litigate in that moment because that's just going to make them stay angry or upset or whatever it is they're feeling. And realistically, you may be in a very, in a place of high emotion at that 100%. point as well. 100%. I mean, particularly if you're on your own hormonal roller coaster, you're <laughs> not going to react the way you might have hoped to. You might not have been calm, cool, and collected. So everybody needs to take a break. I also think in a quieter moment, helping them develop the skill of what Lisa Damore calls emotional granularity, 
right? So we're really good at helping kids identify like anger, frustration, but there's so much more granular vocabulary we can help them develop beyond that that helps them with the self-reflection and the identification Mm -hmm. of what's going on and then possibly the ability to articulate and to express it and to have a conversation with us or just to have the awareness in their own minds. Oh God, I actually, I wasn't angry. I was actually really hurt or I was really embarrassed or I felt so alone, right? Like those are the things that we want to help boys get underneath because as we talked about earlier, our society is not training them necessarily for that kind of self-reflection. And so it's on us in our own homes to start to develop that kind of thinking and reflection so that they can go deeper on those reactions. You know, one of the books that I did with American Girl was we did girl body books, The Care and Keeping of You, The Care and Keeping of You too, And then we did the boy version, which was guy stuff. And then guy stuff feelings and guy stuff feelings is literally an entire book written for eight to 10 year olds and up to help put different words onto these feelings to be able to get granular. It's exactly what Vanessa said, because not being able to explain. I mean, it's like saying I have abdominal pain. I have pain somewhere in my stomach, by the way, it's never in your stomach because the stomach doesn't even sit where kids are pointing. And it's like, they don't know where they're pointing. They don't know what parts of their body. They don't have words. They don't have ways to name the pain. Well, when it comes to emotional vocabulary, Mm. that is just as important. It is maybe arguably more important. I love that we are spending this time talking about the the mood swings and the emotional part of it. Because so often when people talk about puberty, we talk about the hormonal changes and the physical things and sex, all important, absolutely important. But we can't ignore this side of it either. This is a time of major growth, emotional growth and change. And it can be rocky, like you said, very up, down, backward, forward. Our kids need us to be with them on that journey. So now we got to talk about some of the physical stuff. The physical stuff of puberty after these messages from our sponsors. We talk at you all the time. Now we want to talk with you. Janet and I are partnering and we are so excited. We will be offering a three session series. Talk with boys like a pro about anything and everything. Three sessions, three weeks in a row. Jen, I'm so excited about this because not only do we get to see each other again in a, a week, but we get to talk directly with our listeners and we'll be bringing great information, but also there will be time for discussion, time for questions. And that is truly where the gold is. We will troubleshoot in real life all those questions that pop into your head when you hear us do podcasts and make suggestions. This is your chance to ask, to clarify, to really drill down into how you can use these communication techniques and shift your strategies in your home, in your family, with your child. Go to boysalive.com slash boys 
and all the info is there. Get registered. This is going to be a whole lot of fun. Again, that's Talk With Boys Like a Pro about anything and everything. We will be live in May. All the details are at boysalive.com slash boys. And get registered. Don't delay. This is going to be so much fun. And it's going to give you peace of mind, new information, new insights. We hope you'll join us. Let's okay. go there. I'm going to ask you first, let's talk about wet dreams. This is one that comes up in every parenting boys group I'm in. Moms are like totally freaked out, don't know what to say, don't know what to do. What do parents need to know about wet dreams? Sorry. Oh, Vanessa. It's so funny. <laughs> we are both staring at each other because Vanessa has this social media, a reel, a TikTok that um, is about wet dreams that went fully viral. By the way, all it does is explain wet dreams. We're together, but it's really Vanessa being the talking head there. And it's it's straight up information that went viral because no one talks about wet dreams. Right? What makes us crazy? So um, I guess I'll start with the sort of more biological explanation and then hand off to Vanessa, who can talk a little bit about how to navigate through really simple. Puberty means the path to sexual maturation. So you go from lacking the ability to be part of the equation that makes a baby to having the ability to be part of the equation that makes a baby. Like that's it. That's the whole thing. And then all the downstream consequences of all those hormones that are in charge of that process. If you look at what's happening in the testicles, the testicles are the testosterone making factories. That's where the hormone that rules male puberty is being made and being shipped out to the rest of the body. And the testicles are also the home of sperm where sperm are made. And sperm of course, are the male genetic equipment that contribute to creating a, a fetus, um, an embryo, and then a fetus. So put that together as the testicles are growing and maturing, they're making more testosterone, but they're also making sperm. That sperm is released when you have an ejaculation. That just means that the sperm combines with other fluids that are along the exit path, along the track where the sperm is carried from the testicles out the head of the penis. And there are other fluids added in that make it, it's called semen because it's more liquidy than just concentrated sperm. A wet dream is just that when kids are asleep, they ejaculate some of that either just fluid before they're really making a lot of sperm or okay. some sperm mixed with the fluid. And the, here's the key. It's not sexual. It is not, it is during sleep, but there is no evidence that you have to be sexually aroused in order to have a wet dream. And this is what throws parents for a total loop. Vanessa, you want to pick it up? So kids can wake up after having had a wet dream and think they wet the bed. So there's real shame and embarrassment because maybe they haven't wet the bed since like they were, you know, four or five years old and now they're much older. So it's important to get ahead of having conversations about wet dreams because what does someone do when they feel ashamed or embarrassed? They hide it. hide it. And so not only are they having that feeling, but then on top of that, they're hiding it. And then on top of hiding it, there's physical evidence, right? There is a sheet that has a wet spot. There may be pajama bottoms or underwear. 
that have um, what they think is urine, but is actually semen, right? So it creates the snowball effect where a kid is like covering up something that they don't know is totally normal or typical for a kid in their stage of physical development. So for those of you who are like, oh, I can't talk to my kid about wet dreams. That's so mortifying. And they're going to be mortified. Yeah. But would you rather they feel ashamed and embarrassed and that they need to like hide all this stuff from you? And you know, think about it. Moms, especially you get a period, you know, sometimes you leak on the sheets. Yeah. That sucks. I still hate it. I hate, hate, hate having to deal with that. (laughs) However, it happens and it's good to know it happens and you have to deal with it. Yeah. Sort of a corollary to that. I mean, different process, obviously. But similar. And you can literally say to a kid, hey, listen, I noticed there was a wet spot on your sheet. I don't know. We've never talked about this. I just realized, but like, it's actually really normal. I don't know if you thought maybe like peed in the bed, but actually it's something called a wet dream. It's no big deal. Let me show you how to wash your sheets or strip your bed or, you know, you can spot clean it or we can put it in the washing machine. Like, Even if you are freaking out in your own mind, you adopt a totally chill, no big deal approach and you remove your kid's shape and they may say to you, oh my God, I can't believe you're talking to me about this. This is so embarrassing. Can you please be quiet? But inside of them, they're really reassured when you say to them, hey, no big deal happens to tons of people all over the world. It's really typical. Let me just give you some advice. And I'm going to pile on and say, when you have the opportunity to show that you have your own biological Mm -hmm. messes that you need to clean up, periods being a perfect example, instead of hiding it from your kids, Mm. if you're comfortable, it's totally fine if they catch you like at the sink, you know, rinsing a sheet or whatever, just narrate and go, yeah, like this happens to me too. I'm just... What a great point. I've not done that. But I mean, yes, many of our boys will go on to partner with women who will need to do things like scrub out their underwear or the sheets that they leaked on. They may say like, oh, yeah. Like, why are you showing me that? And it's like, just keep going. Just keep going. You are normalizing something. I mean, I remember I was like racing home from something and I could feel that my tampon was about to start leaking. And I was like talking to my 16 year old and I was like, I want to hear exactly what you want to say, but I can tell I'm about to start leaking. My tampon's about to start leaking. Give me five minutes. Let me change my tampon. I'll be right back. And he was like, all right. And it was like, oh, okay. Everybody has these like urgent, slightly embarrassing, slightly uncomfortable situations. Again, it just normalizes that we're yes. all managing the the physical and biological aspects of like our bodies. I have to ask this question. We are running out of time, which I hate because there's so much to talk about, but wet dreams. Another question that I hear from parents all the time, like, does this happen to every boy? How common is this? My sons never have a wet dream. Is he normal? All of it's normal. All of it's normal. It it can happen frequently to some, never to some, occasionally to some. It may happen and you don't notice it and they don't notice it. All, we we hesitate to use the word normal because it implies that then there's an abnormal. abnormal. This is one where there's really not an abnormal. Yes. And you know, parents, if you are listening, 
this is a great opportunity to get your son doing his own laundry by the time totally. he's 10 or 11. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Which is also excellent self-care and preparing him to be part of a household. Lean into it. All right. We have to touch on sex very, very, very briefly. In your book, you point out that when so many of us were growing up, pregnancy was reversible mm. and AIDS was not. And that really influenced the way our sex education was delivered. Sex can kill you was pretty much a message I got. We are now living in the post-row world here in the United States. And uh, AIDS is now a chronic disease, a chronic infection for people. So what do we do with all of that in conversation with our children? You know, easy question to wrap things up. I, I think it's very fraught. And it's tempting to bring all of the emotional, socio-political baggage into conversations with uh. kids and like back up the dump truck and just let it all slide out on top of our kids when we have this conversation, when we work up the courage. Here's what I would say. That is an important conversation to have when you have a kid who maybe you imagine or you know is becoming sexually active and you want to have serious conversations with them about it. That's not where we start conversations with kids about sex. That's somewhere we get to somewhere along the journey. When we think about talking to boys about sex, the other place people go is consent, consent, yes. consent, consent, right? And it's like, yes, consent is so important and it's so critical, but we really encourage adults not to forget to talk to boys all kids, but boys about love and respect and joy and making sure their partner has pleasure and laughter and communication, right? Like all of the things that as adults we know make up good sex in a trusting, loving relationship, but the fear mongering about either AIDS or pregnancy or consent or rape, right? Those are the conversations yeah. we have with boys because we're terrified. And yet there's a whole other side of these conversations that are really important to make loving, respectful, caring sexual relationships. And I mean, in what world are they ever going to sit down and have open conversations with us about one behavior that is almost inevitable? I would argue that sex, that's the goal in life is to have beautiful, warm, connected, safe, happy, loving relationships that if you choose involve sex. In what world is that kid going to come to you? Doesn't matter as a kid, as a young adult, as an older adult, and have an open conversation with you about a topic that you have demonized. They're not. It's a really good mm -hmm. point. Really good point. And I know that there's research and you guys talk about this too. Boys want this information. Yeah, Certainly, yeah. our kids need to know the mechanics and they need to know, um, you know, how pregnancy can happen, how to avoid pregnancy. They need to know how to protect themselves from infections. You cover all that in your book. But the part where we, so many of us fall down is we don't talk about love, care, concern. We talk about consent and we imply that boys are responsible for getting it. We have to tell them they can give it as well. Yeah, that's they also right. need to be enthusiastic participants if they're you choosing to have sex. That's exactly right. Ladies, your book is This Is So Awkward, Modern Puberty Explained. And in, in, listeners, in case you can't tell, these women, these authors, 
they are so real about all of this. And I love that in your book. You talk about some of your own experiences. You use humorous language. You don't shy away from the tough stuff. It's woven throughout this book, which touches on everything from the biology to gender fluidity and eating disorders, how to talk about all of it. I know you've been touring the country and talking as well. So where can listeners find out more about what you're doing and uh, maybe catch up with you at some point? Since our goal is to make all of this less awkward, you can find everything we do at lessawkward.com. That's brilliant. Very good branding, by the way. (laughs) And your podcast is The Puberty Podcast. When do your episodes drop? Episodes drop on Tuesdays. We love getting requests, suggestions, questions from listeners. So email us, thepubertypodcast at gmail.com and send anything our way. There is never a dumb or silly question. We love it all. Thank you for all you do to help kids and parents understand puberty and navigate through this time. It was challenging for me the first time around. I think it was more challenging uh, when my kids were going through it as well. So thank you very much. Puberty starts earlier than you think, but it does not have to be as awkward as you may imagine. Thank you so much. Thank you. Listeners, you may have may or may not have noticed that I, Janet, was not a participant in this conversation. Oh my goodness, I've just edited this. And as I'm editing and listening, I'm thinking of so many moms, so many middle schools that I want to be sure hear these words from Vanessa and Cara. So share this episode, put it on your social media. This is so important and we need to spread the word as they are doing. Thank you for being our listeners. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net and I'm Janet Allison of boysalive.com. Thank you for being our listeners, for telling others about the podcast, and also just as important, we need you to click through and support our sponsors in whatever way you are inspired to do. That allows us to keep bringing you these amazing conversations.